Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Look at verse 27 in your Bibles. A real disciple is someone who takes up his cross daily and follows Jesus. Now, in our culture, listen, we have no idea what this means. I remember somebody once said to me, talking about taking up your cross, bearing your cross. Somebody once told me, said, you know, Pastor, I'm in a bad marriage. Must be my cross to bear. Somebody once told me, they said, well, you know, I've got a headache and a backache and it never goes away and I've had it for years and years. Must be my cross to bear. Someone even, true story, took off their shoe and showed me their big, huge, ugly, ingrown toenail and said, well, that's my cross to bear. I said, no, that's evil. That's the devil. Go to a podiatrist. You don't have to bear that. People want to spiritualize everything. You know what I mean? They got an ingrown toenail. Oh, it must be the devil. It must be, oh, it's my cross to bear. Go to the doctor. You know, it's not your cross to bear. Listen, if you're taking notes, a cross, listen, represents execution and death and horror. A person carrying their cross knew that they were about to die a horrible death. You know, we can't relate to that because we have nice gold crosses. Some of you right now might have a cross, a gold cross around your neck. Perhaps it has diamonds in it. And you're thinking, oh, what a beautiful, lovely cross. Listen, there was nothing beautiful, nothing pleasant, and nothing lovely about the cross. If you really want to be accurate about what the cross meant, it would be better for you to have a gold electric chair around your neck with diamonds in it. Or a a gold syringe and poison in it because the cross represents death. Nothing beautiful about the cross. It was nothing beautiful to Jesus about the cross. You know, people have asked me many, many times, why don't we have a cross anywhere here in the church? We don't. It's true. We don't. You know, there's some people, they deify the cross. They make the cross like this holy thing. It's like we even sing songs. We wrote songs, the old rugged cross. We deify the cross. Listen, there was nothing lovely about the cross. The cross was painful. The cross was shameful. Don't misunderstand me. I don't have a problem with the cross. No problems at all with the cross. But there was nothing holy about the cross. The only thing holy about the cross was the Holy One who hung on it. Somebody clap your hands like you know what I'm talking about. Right? But nothing holy about the cross. There was a guy on the right and a guy on the left hanging on a cross. The cross was a piece of wood. 
And the cross meant death, and the cross meant shame. Crucifixion was horrible. It was ugly. We don't get it because ours is nice. Our crosses are nice, and we got them on top of our churches. And we go down freeways, and we see three crosses, and, you know, crosses. The cross represents Christianity. Can I tell you something? The cross really doesn't represent Christianity. The cross represents shame, humiliation, horror. Pain. In Jesus' day, get this, it was impolite. Get this, it was impolite to even discuss the cross openly. For you to sit around a table and talk about the cross was inappropriate. That was inappropriate dinner conversation. It was inappropriate conversation anywhere. Jesus said, whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Jesus is making the point that if you're going to follow me, it's going to take full commitment. And when you decide to follow Jesus, you give up your rights and you give up your independence. We just celebrated Independence Day last week, right? But for the Christian, we don't have any independence. Think about it like that. For the Christian, we don't have any independence. We have dependence on Jesus Christ. Huh? We don't have any, you know, you hear people talking about, oh, what about my rights? What about my rights? I've got my rights. Can I tell you something? The Christian, you don't have any rights. When you give your life to Jesus, you just gave up your rights. And now you are a servant of Jesus Christ. And as a servant, you do what you're told to do. You say what you're told to say. You go where you're told to go. You're a servant. You don't have any rights. You serve the Lord and you commit your life to him in full commitment. And oftentimes we think we have rights and we think we can hold on to things. And sometimes we give our hearts to Jesus, but we hold on to other things. The Bible says we need to be dead to the world and alive to God. Point number three, we need to consider the value of a good finish. You taking notes? Point number three, consider the value of a good finish. You'll find that in verses 28 through 30. We just read it. Jesus says, if you're going to build a tower, Sit down and be sure you have enough resources before you begin so you can finish the job. So you want to finish the tower because if you don't, people walking by will see the unfinished project and they will mock. You want to have a good finish. And for me, for Pastor Rodney, I want to have a good finish. I want to finish well. Anybody else? I want to finish well. Do you know that there are so many people who start their Christian life and they begin well, but they don't finish well. Isn't it true? We've all seen them. It's sad. It's almost so sad. In every service that I've said this, there's been a little, an, almost a numbing feeling in the room because it's sad, because we've seen people who start off as a Christian. And, and, and they're, they're walking with God, and they're doing well, and even some are running, and they're sprinting, and they're growing quick and moving quick, but then all of a sudden they start to slow down, and before you know it, give it some time and give it a season, and they don't even know the Lord. Anybody know anybody like that? They started well, but they didn't finish well. Why? Because the Christian life is not a sprint. 
The Christian life is a marathon that you run your entire life until you run right into Jesus. Until one day you're standing in front of Jesus and you hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter now into the joy of the Lord. And that's what I want. I want to finish well. I was thinking about this yesterday. I've been pastoring this church. For those of you who don't know, we started this church. I started, my wife and I started this church as a Bible study 15 years ago. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm shocked myself that I'm standing here today 15 years later, and I'm still preaching the gospel and still in this race called Christianity seeking to finish well. And I I told you, I want to die right here in the pulpit. I really do. I want to die mid-sentence reading the Bible. Salt is good, but salt if salt has lost its boom, I'm just dead. I want to be like face. And y'all waiting for me to stand up. I don't. And then Rodney Jr. here, my son sitting right here. On, he come up here and check on me. Because I'm his father. He better check on me. I beat him up. So he come up here and check on me. He dead. That's where I want to go. I want to finish well. Can I get a witness? I want to finish well. I just want to finish well. And you know what? Here's the good news. It, 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 it doesn't matter the fact that we're not finished yet. That's the good news. And it doesn't matter what happened in the past. You still have time to have a good finish. Point number four, if you're taking notes, we need to surrender to the stronger king in verse 31 through 32. Notice Jesus says, what king is going to make war with another king in verse 31? You're looking at it? He says, what king is going to make war with another king? And he doesn't sit down and count the cost and see if he can get victory. A man desiring to build risks not completing the project. He must count the cost. A king going to battle risks defeat. He must consider the chances of success before you send your soldiers into battle. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, I am in the world for building and battling. Therefore, I'm looking for quality workers and able soldiers. Finally, point number five, we need to stay pure to preserve goodness. Look at verse 34, if you will. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Now, a good Jewish person reading this would know exactly what Jesus was talking about. As a matter of fact, I have it for you on the screen. In Matthew chapter 5, in verse 13, It says, you are the salt of the earth. Are you looking at it? You are the salt. Matter of fact, please read it with me. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Notice Jesus isn't saying, I sure hope you will be salt. And Jesus isn't saying, this is what I want you to work hard to become. Or, or Jesus isn't saying this is what you ought to be or even what you will one day become. He says that this is what you are, whether you like it or not. You are the salt of the earth. Now, listen, in Jesus day, salt was a very valuable commodity probably the most important element in the culture, and some cultures, it was even more valuable than gold. 
Roman soldiers, listen close, Roman soldiers were sometimes paid with a bag of salt, and it was called a salarium or his pay. We have the word, anybody know? Salary, very good, which means salt money. Thus the phrase, a person's not worth his salt, refers to a person that's not worth his wages. Or we might say of a woman, she's so wonderful, she is the salt of the earth. It just means that she brings a good influence upon things. Now, in Jesus' day and today, salt is used for many things. If you're taking notes, you write this down. Salt is used as a preservative. A preservative. Keep in mind, these are the days before GE refrigerators. So salt was used to pack and preserve fish and meat so that it wouldn't go bad and get bacterias and stuff like that. And in the same way, we Christians are called to be preservers. We could go so far as to say savers of the earth because we represent the Savior. And we need to permeate the world that we live in. And that's why everybody can't go on staff at the church. For some reason, some people think being on staff at the church is like the pinnacle of Christianity. Everybody can't be on staff at the church. Everybody shouldn't go to the monastery. Because if everybody's on staff at the church or everybody goes to the monastery, then who will be in the world to be salt? Mm -hmm. Who will be in the world to be light? Because out in the world... It is dark. Who will be in the world to, to, to be the light of the world? Jesus says you're the salt of the earth and that you are the light of the world. And you can only preserve in a place where there's preservation needed. And you can only bring light where there is darkness. So wherever you are, think about this, you are in the ministry. Wherever you are, you're in the ministry. The ministry is in the workplace. Did you hear me? The ministry is in the workplace. What about the person that's right next to you in the cubicle? Have you ministered to them? What about the person that you go to school with? Have you shared the gospel with them? Do they know you? My neighbors, I, try to, I go out of my way to let my neighbors know that I am a Christian. And, 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 and I go out of my way to share the gospel with my neighbors all kinds of ways. I have a neighbor that just moved in um, like two weeks ago. And he lives like right across the way. And, 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 there, and, and he's, really, he's out there watering his grass, you know, and I've, I'm always looking for opportunities to share the gospel. And I'm willing to be awkward. I, I really am. I'm very willing to be awkward. So he's out there watering the grass and everything. So I go over and I'm like, hey, hi, hey how are you? Well, welcome to the neighborhood. And uh, man, this is a great neighborhood. And welcome to the neighborhood. And I'm Rodney. And what's your name? And we got to talking and everything. And I just really couldn't segue really good into you know, sharing the gospel, you know, sometimes it's a good segue and sometimes there isn't. So I really couldn't segue really well. So I had to be awkward. So he's watering his grass and stuff. And I'm thinking, hey, I'm going to get the gospel in here. And, uh, and I just said, um, he's water's coming out. And I said, man, I said, uh, man, do you know Jesus? He'll water your life with the word of God. <laughs> and the guy was like, uh, <laughs> And I was like, uh, <laughs> it was like the really most awkward thing ever. It was really super awkward. And uh, it was really, really awkward. And after that, I was like, you know, uh, I think I'll just go in now. <laughs> it's just, it's just, <laughs> I didn't know, but I just want to share the gospel. And I want to tell people 
about Jesus Christ because that's what God has called us to do. We're to be preservers. I mean, you know, I'm my neighbor, all my neighbors in my neighborhood, they know I'm a Christian. As a matter of fact, when they see me coming, they actually go in the house. They don't think I know it either. But as soon as I'm walking up the street, why is everybody going in the house? And I'm like, come back here, come back here. They're like, oh, lock the door, lock the door. And when we had harvest, oh my gosh, when we had the harvest crusade, okay, Elvira and I went door to door in our entire neighborhood, probably not the entire neighborhood, we probably went like maybe 10 blocks within our neighborhood, went door to door. We started like at 7 a.m. and went door to door, knocking on doors. People thought we were Jehovah's Witnesses. And before they slammed the door on me, I was like, I'm not a JW, I just saw and you know, I just want to invite you to the harvest. So we went door to door to door to door. My whole neighborhood knows I'm a Christian. And like I said, now when they see I'm coming, they think I'm coming to invite them to a harvest crusade or, or something. So they all run in the house. And I love them anyway. And, uh, but we're called to be preservers. We're called to be salt. We're called to be light in a world. Salt is used to preserve. And salt is also used, if you're taking notes, to produce thirst. And it's used as an antiseptic. Now listen, if you go to the nightclub, not that the pastor has been to one lately. I just want to make that clear. But when y'all go to the nightclub, so y'all don't think I know, all right. They give you, watch this, they give you Peanuts and pretzels. Why? Right? Don't they give you peanuts and pretzels? Why? Y'all acting like y'all don't know what I'm talking about, and I know you know. They give you peanuts. Most of y'all know. Y'all giving me, y'all give, they give you peanuts and they give you pretzels. Why? Anybody know why? To, that, or to make you, he said sell beer. Um, that's a little detailed, sir. That's very telling. And, uh, <laughs> but they give you peanuts and pretzels. Why? To make you thirsty because they're salty and they want to make you buy more drinks. So when you buy more drinks, then you will get drunk and you will buy more drinks. And then you will be drunk and you will leave and get in your car and you will drive your car. And then the police will pull you over because you're driving like you're drunk and the police will pull you over and give you a DUI and then they will put you in prison and then you will have a prison ministry. See, we can all be in prison. We can all be in ministry. See, we can all be in, we can all be in ministry. You, everybody's got a ministry. I'm just trying to help you. I'm a pastor. I'm just my job to get you in ministry. Is that not like the most twisted thing you have ever heard in your life? That's so twisted. It's, but, but, but salt produces thirst. It was, and, and your life, listen, your life should be salty, making the world thirsty for Jesus. Colossians chapter four, write that down. Verse six, it says, our speech ought to be seasoned with, anybody know? Salt or pre- preserving or preserving influence with things that come out of our mouth. Salt is also used as an antiseptic, and antiseptics sting, but they bring health. Do they still do this? I know when I was a kid, if your throat was sore, your mom would give you a warm glass of water and some what? Salt. 
and tell you to gargle with it. Don't you realize to your unbelieving co-workers, to your unbelieving friends, you, your life is stinging to them because you're a Christian and they're not. I remember when I was in the military and I used to work in an office environment and they called me deacon because I used to preach the gospel all day, every day, as much as I could. They called me deacon. And as soon as I walked in, they were like, oh, oh everybody be quiet. Everybody be quiet. Be quiet. Here, deacon's in the room. Deacon, deacon is coming in the room. Deacon's in the room. I'm like, no, 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 no. Keep talking. Talk, talk. Keep talking. Keep talking. God hears every word you say. <laughs> Just keep talking. Yes, yes, yes. And then, you know, they called me deacon because, and you know, they thought they were insulting me. Listen, they thought they were insulting me by calling me deacon. Listen, that was a compliment to me because they, that told me that they understood and that, that, and I, and it told me that I am being salt in, 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 a, in, a, in the world and I am being light in a dark place and I am an antiseptic to them because I am a Christian and because they are not and my life is convicting or my life is Stinging to them. And that is the purpose of salt. Another purpose of salt, listen, it heats things up. Well, I learned this from Emerald. I really did. Add salt to your water. It causes the temperature of the water to get hotter and it causes it to boil quicker. Did you know that? I learned it from Emerald. And salt, if you're taking notes, it penetrates. During the winter, we use salt to melt the what? The ice. And salt keeps us healthy and alive. If you lose too much salt from your body and it isn't replaced, it could cause death. Salt is necessary for proper metabolism. Jesus tells us that we are the salt of the earth. And the truth is, listen, looking at the condition of the world that we live in, look at what's going on. Get looked. Is your head in the sand? Look at the morality or lack thereof, immorality, in the world today, children killing adults. We didn't hear of this 50 years ago. Children killing adults, children killing children. One teenage girl, I just read a story, she went to a party. Are you listening? She went to a party, and while at the party, she went into the bathroom. She gave birth to a fetus and flushed it down the toilet. And then she went right back out on the dance floor and continued to dance. This is the world we live in. I heard a story where people have taken the crucifix, and maybe you've heard this. They've taken the crucifix of Jesus and they've dipped it in urine and they call it art. You see, the only reason, listen, that God hasn't judged the world to this point is because the salt is still preserving. You are the salt of the world. The only reason, listen to me, if you hear nothing else I had to say, listen to this. The only reason that God has not judged the world is because the Christians are still here on the earth. Because the Bible says, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. Because the Bible says... That when the Christians are, when the rapture of the church, are you listening? When the rapture of the church takes place, Christians will be taken out of the earth in the rapture. And then the seven year tribulation will begin. All hell will break loose. The Bible says that there is one individual, one last Gentile on the earth to be saved. There's one, think about that, the knowledge of God. 
then he knows that one individual, perhaps they're not born yet, perhaps they're already on the earth, perhaps you're here in the room, but there's one individual who is to give their life to Christ, one last Gentile, and when that happens, the rapture of the church should take place. Let me just ask you, if you are that one last Gentile and you haven't given your life to Christ, would you please hurry up and do it soon? Because you are holding us up. One last person, and we go to heaven to be with the Lord. The only reason why God hasn't judged because the salt of the earth is still here. And if the salt isn't doing its job, it's good for nothing. If society is sick and decaying, instead of indicting our society or blaming the political leaders, it could mean the church has lost its saltiness. John Stott, listen to this as I close. Listen close. John Stott made this interesting observation as he said, in my country, Great Britain, there's growing dishonesty, corruption, immorality, violence, pornography, and the diminishing respect for human life, and the increase in abortion. Whose fault is it? Well, let me put it like this. If the house is dark at night, there's no sense in blaming the house. That's what happens when the sun goes down. The question to ask is, where's the light? And if meat goes bad, there's no sense in blaming the meat. That's what happens when bacteria are allowed to breathe unchecked. The question to ask is, where's the salt? And if society becomes corrupt like a dark night or a stinking meat, there's no sense in blaming society. That's what happens when fallen human society is left to itself and human evil is unrestrained and unchecked. The question to ask is, where's the church? Where's the church? Where are you? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.